0: You're listening to the MMA Crave. Here's your host and my favorite son, Joe McHale. Thanks, Dad. And hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining me for another edition of the MMA Crave. Today is Monday, February 4th, 2019. I'm your host, Joe McHale, and it is the first episode of 2019. It's been a hot minute. I think the last episode was back in October, but I'm excited to be doing this once again. Hope everyone had good holidays, and I hope you haven't given up just yet on your New Year's resolutions. It's only been a month, so hopefully, if whether it was getting to the gym more, being more organized, you know, having better relationships with people, whatever it was, we're only a month into 2019, so hopefully, you're still doing a good job. As I said, it's been uh, a little while since we've had a a show, but I am excited, um, as always, to get behind the mic. And today, uh, I will say that I took a little bit of time off, but for good reason, because there are some changes to the show. Nothing major, but baby steps, folks, baby steps. So uh, today's show, you're going to hear a couple of new segments. One that's called matchups to make. And that is simply that matchups to make. I'm going to pick two people that I think need to scrap two matchups. I think uh, two people that need to get inside the octagon, the ones that make the most sense to me. I'll be talking about a few of those today later on in the program. And then the following segment is this day in MMA history. So uh, we're going to jump in the DeLorean, uh, take a ride back in time, and talk about uh, some of the past events, some of the biggest moments in the history of this sport. And today, we're going back to 2012. So stick around. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Then I'm going to quickly recap UFC Fight Night 144 from Brazil. This was this last Saturday night. Great main card. Can't wait to recap that with you. And then we'll be introducing today's guest, who is UFC featherweight Austin Golden Boy or Arnett, who is uh, back in action this coming Saturday uh, at UFC 234 from Melbourne. Uh, he was he is going to be on the prelims on ESPN, and so I'm looking forward to sharing that interview with you. But before we get to any of it, I feel like I would be a disservice to everyone listening if I did not address the most watched television event. Of the year. That, of course, was Super Bowl 53 Sunday night in Atlanta, Georgia. Like most people, I thought that it was uh, an uneventful game, rather boring, uh, perhaps the most boring Super Bowl that I can remember, maybe ever, in the history of the NFL. Um, the least amount of points were scored 16 combined points between the Rams uh, and the Patriots, but first I do have to say congratulations to the to the New England Patriots for winning uh, sixth Super Bowl. I mean, it's just incredible. You you can say obviously that they are without a doubt not only one of the greatest dynasties in football, but perhaps one of the greatest dynasties in any professional sport ever. Uh, It's just incredible what they've been able to do year after year after year that they just make trips it seems like almost every year in the 2000s they're either in the AFC Championship or in the Super Bowl and it's you know without a doubt Tom Brady I know he didn't have the best game of his career the best you know playoff appearance the best Super Bowl appearance that he's ever had but you know he is without a doubt uh, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football and it hurts me saying that because I'm a 49er fan and of course I I Love grew up uh, watching, to some extent, Joe Montana, uh, who obviously is still in that conversation. But you cannot deny what Tom Brady has been able to do since uh, he has stepped foot uh, on that field. But the game itself, oh, it was brutal to watch. Brutal. There can be low-scoring games that are entertaining, but this just wasn't that. There weren't any exciting plays, not any major defensive plays. It was just a lot of three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. Uh, to give you an idea of how the game went, there were records set, right? Two of them. One I mentioned, fewest points ever scored in an NFL game. And then longest punt, or not in the NFL game, excuse me, in a Super Bowl. And then longest punt. I believe it was 64, 65 yards, something like that. I mean, if those are the records that were set in, you kind of know how that game went i think there are several things that were more entertaining uh than the game itself the halftime show which i'm not a big person i'm not big on these halftime shows normally i think that they're overhyped um and just really don't turn out that good because of you know the acoustics of those stadiums and just you know the tv and the cameras and the angles and it's just i feel like those shows never really go that great i never really enjoy him that much but i thought the halftime show was more entertaining than the, the game itself the pandemonium at the end of the game i mean poor tracy wolfson trying to chase down tom brady for an interview for five minutes plus while you know he's celebrating with his teammates and his head coach and his wife i mean it was just it was brutal watching uh her try to get that interview but a candid moment and that's what live tv is right um yeah, I mean there was just the Rams didn't have a single play in the red zone. The Patriots had one play in the red zone that entire game. It was just it was a hard Super Bowl to watch uh and one I certainly won't be going back to watch anytime soon if ever. But that's all. This is a show about MMA, uh not football, but you got to, you know, it's the day after the Super Bowl. I can't not talk about it. And once again, congratulations uh, to the New England Patriots. But before Sunday night, there was something that was much more entertaining that was happening, and that was UFC Fight Night 144 uh, from Brazil. Those fights taking place on ESPN+, Plus, headlined by Marlon Moraes and Rafael Assuncao. And what a great uh, performance that was for Marlon Moraes who just continues to dominate uh, and continues to show uh, why he is deserving of a bantamweight uh a challenge for that title. Um he defeated Javier Souza in the first round just 3 minutes in, 3 minutes and 17 seconds via guillotine uh and that's obviously coming off his uh, uh win over Jimmy Rivera, uh, a, a great knockout in the first minutes of, of that fight a few months back. Marlon Moraes, uh, everyone, um, if, if you don't know who he is now, you should know. If you've been following MMA for the last just even year or two, you should know who he is. But if you if you don't, uh, two main events, two impressive stoppages, and uh, this guy is absolutely for real. Uh, Jose Aldo, uh, he gets back-to-back wins now. His second in a row after he defeats uh, Renato Moicano. Uh Aldo now looking like his old form, uh, getting that win in the second round, just 44 seconds in, in a beautiful combination with that TKO finish over Moicano, who is no slouch by any means. Uh, Aldo certainly looking like uh, the Aldo we all... Know and love and and kind of watch throughout the years. Just take down everyone uh, at ease in the featherweight division, and here he is doing that again. After beating Jeremy Stevens back in Calgary in November, he now gets another win over um, Moicano, and things are looking really, really good for the King of Rio. Damian Maya defeated. Uh, Lyman good in the first round submission no surprise there two minutes and 38 seconds in Uh, Charles Oliveira defeated David Tamer in the second round 55 seconds in with the submission Uh, great performance by Oliveira and I do want to touch briefly just very briefly on the eye poke that you may recall in the first round Uh, Oliveira took it looked like not just one but two fingers to his eyes in that first round in the opening almost seconds of that fight um And I thought that the ref did a fantastic job. He took a point away from David Tamer. Uh, He did not give a warning. And that's what you often see, right? You often see eye pokes. You often see blows below the belt, grabbing the fence, uh, maybe back of the head strikes. And they are always warnings. I I cannot tell you the last time I've seen uh, an illegal type uh, move or shot or strike or anything like that in the octagon. That has not been given a penalty for the very first time. It's always a warning. And I get it. Some strikes, it maybe makes more sense to give a warning if it's a grazing back of the head shot or what have you. But if you're just simply giving warnings every single time, then these fighters are, aren't going to learn, uh, and someone you know could get seriously hurt. So for the referee to take a point away from David Tamer... Uh, after the first time he poked him in the eye, I thought that that sends a me- sends a message to fighters saying, "Look, your hands are supposed to be closed. You're supposed to make a closed fist when you're when you're throwing your hands out there for strikes, or even just kind of uh, filling your distance, getting your reach." And uh, you know, if your hand if your palm if your hands are open and you're and you're poking people in the eye, that can certainly change the fight. It could actually end the fight. Um, and so I think the ref uh, sent a message. To, to the UFC, or to the fighters, I should say, that you know, you know, this will not be tolerated, and maybe we'll start to see more refs take away points right off the bat for some of, some of those um, illegal, not really a strike, but I guess you could say strike, um, because fighters should know by now, this has been a rule for, for years now, that, or at least a year, that you have to keep a closed fist when you're in there. And that's enough on that. So, And lastly, before uh, I get to some of the new segments I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, I just wanted to say congrats to Johnny Walker, who defeated Justin Lede round one, and it only took him 15 seconds. What an impressive second win uh, for Johnny Walker. I mean, that guy is a stud, uh, and he is certainly uh, putting everyone in that division on. On notice, it's his second win in a row. Um, he defeated Khalil Roundtree in his last fight. I think he has a total of maybe two minutes, uh, two and a half minutes or so, uh, of octagon octagon time in just two fights, and um, he has shown that uh, he could be uh, a contender uh, in just a few fights from now if he continues to put up performances like that. So before we get to the guest of today's show, uh, like I mentioned, there are a couple new segments I'm excited to introduce to you. Uh, One is matchups to make, and the second is on this day in MMA history. So uh, let's get right to it with the first one. Dad? Now, here are Joe's matchups to make. After defeating Rafael Asunsal Saturday night, my first matchup to make is Marlon Marais taking on TJ Dillashaw, for the UFC Bantamweight Championship I think that Marlon Moraes has done more than enough uh to prove that he is worthy of a title shot um and I, and I think that um you know uh, I'll get to Henry Cejudo in a minute because he is a second matchup to make but I do I would like to see the Bantamweight fight uh, title fight happen before maybe uh Cejudo moves up to Dillashaw and by that I mean uh, maybe just back up for a second I would like to see Marlon Morais face TJ Dillashaw before Henry Cejudo. I think Marais deserves it. He's been climbing the ladder of the 135-pound division for a long time now, and he is next in line. And not to say that that matchup between Cejudo and TJ Dillashaw won't happen at 135 pounds. I'd like to see it happen at 135 pounds, but I think it's got to be Morais first. But I do think in my second matchup to make, Henry Cejudo should be fighting, Joseph Benavidez for the flyweight title now there's been talk about the UFC uh, doing away with the flyweight division if Henry Cejudo wants to save this division I think he needs to fight and defend his title ASAP if he stops and he goes and he fights TJ Dillashaw at 135 pounds it's going to be six months to maybe even a year that that flyweight division is put on hold and then at that point, it's just like people are going to start, uh, you know, it's it's not, not forget about it, but it's already kind of, you know, right there on the bubble. And if he just, you know, stops competing in that division to go ahead and take on this fight against TJ Dillashaw, you know, there's going to be even more of an argument, I think, to do away with the division. And I think Joseph Benavides is deserving of the flyweight championship challenge. Uh, he has won several fights in a row now. Uh, coming off of a win over Dustin Ortiz uh, earlier this year, um, and he is actually the last person, if you don't recall, to defeat Henry Cejudo. That was uh, Henry Cejudo's last uh, loss. It was uh, a split decision. It was a close fight back in on December third of two thousand and sixteen. But that just makes the most sense for me uh, for the for the flyweight title. And finally, uh, last, last matchup to make um, after. Also winning this past weekend, I think that Jose Aldo uh, deserves a crack at perhaps Brian Ortega, who, of course, is coming off of a loss to Max Holloway. Um, for the featherweight championship uh, about a month or two ago, a month, month and a half ago. Uh, I think that Jose Aldo has gotten back to his winning ways. He's won two straight, kind of looking like his old self. He's already fought Max Holloway twice, so we don't know if we're going to get a, a third opportunity there. So Brian Ortega, after losing to Max Holloway, I think that that fight makes the most sense. And maybe, maybe the winner of that fight uh, can maybe get another shot at Max Holloway. It'd be easier to argue for Brian Ortega uh, than Jose Aldo, since Or uh, Aldo has fought Max Holloway twice. But that would be uh, my next matchup. So TJ Dillashaw, Marlon Rice, Henry Cejudo, Joseph Benavidez, Jose Aldo versus Brian Ortega. We'll see if that happens. Let's take a ride in the DeLorean. It's time for On This Day in MMA History. On This Day in MMA History, we go back to February 4th, 2012. Seven years ago, Carlos Condit defeated Nick Diaz to become the interim UFC welterweight champion. He won that fight in a controversial decision. Uh, Diaz has only fought two times Since uh, that welterweight interim fight, of course, we know Diaz has dealt with legal issues and suspensions and whatnot. Meanwhile, Carlos Condit has remained much more active, uh, fighting 10 more times since that fight with Nick Diaz, including uh, a loss to George St. Pierre where he lost that interim title. Condit would actually lose all but two of those next 10 fights, including a current five fight losing streak. Also on this day in MMA history, it was the first fight of that night on February 4th, 2012 in the UFC, where someone who you may know, Stephen Thompson, made his UFC debut. He defeated Dan Stitkin via KO in the first round, just four minutes, 13 seconds in. After losing to Matt Brown in his next fight, Thompson would go on to win seven straight before he had back-to-back fights with Current champ Tyron Woodley wins for Stephen Thompson since that UFC do, debut back in 2012 include wins over Rory McDonald, Johnny Hendricks, Jake Ellenberger, and Robert Whitaker. And that is it for this day, or this day, yeah, in, in MMA history, and we'll look forward to continuing that segment as well as matchups to make on the next episode of The MMA Crave. All right, so now it's time for, I think, my favorite part of the show, and that's when I get to introduce you to uh, another guest and share the conversation I had. And today's guest is UFC featherweight Austin Arnett. Arnett is coming off of his first UFC victory when he defeated Humberto Bandene, uh back in November. He had a decision victory in what was uh, his first win, as I mentioned, inside the octagon and his uh, first win after dropping three straight. Of course, he lost... Uh, uh, a very close and fun and back-to-back battle on the UFC Tuesday night uh, contender series against Brandon Davis. And then he lost to Corey Sandhagen in his UFC debut, following that by Hakeem Dowadu in Calgary last November. Um or excuse me, in the summer, in in August. Uh, but now he gets that win. He gets that uh, monkey off your back, if you will, after getting a victory over Bandonet. And he will be taking on Shane Young. That's going to be this Saturday, UFC 234 from Melbourne. Uh, Shane Young, who is coming off of a win over Ronaldo die via TKO in June, his first fight in the UFC. Uh, he did have a loss, a decision loss to a very, very tough Alexander Volkanovsky. So uh, we've spoken to Austin Arnett on the show before. This was, I think it was my second episode of the MMA Crave. So uh, it's always nice to catch up with him. And it was exciting to have him back, especially because we got to talk about uh, things such as um, getting that first ever UFC victory. Uh, Without further ado, here is uh, my interview with the Golden Boy. All right, Austin Arnett, thanks for... uh Hanging out with us today. How's it going?
1: Good, man. Yeah, just got up to Spokane get a get some training in here tonight.
0: Yeah, you've been driving a lot lately, traveling yeah. back and forth from Lewiston, Clarkson area.
1: Yeah. So, uh, what I've been doing is basically coming up um, every Monday, training Monday through Friday, and then going back home to to Lewiston for the weekend, and uh, I get a little uh, training with my dad, some one on one kind of doing mitts and and uh, strategy stuff with him on the weekends.
0: Yeah, you didn't really have a whole lot of time off after your last fight when you found out you got the yeah. call again.
1: Yeah, so I had about about a month, and I actually ended up getting the call for this fight on uh, Christmas Day. I was in Vegas for Mike's fight at Kiesa, and uh, my manager came into our Airbnb and was like, hey, you want some good news? And yeah, told me about the fight and said yes right away, and we're good to go.
0: Yeah, and I want to get to that fight in a bit, and we definitely want to talk about that, but... I didn't have a chance to talk with you much after um, your your victory uh, in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was your first time getting your hand raised inside the octagon. Yeah. Uh, what was that moment like for you?
1: Yeah, it was pretty awesome. You know, is uh, being in the UFC is one thing, but winning and performing is is what you're really looking for. You know, you want to you don't want to just be in the UFC. You want to you want to win fights in the UFC. You want to be a top contender. You want to compete for a title, all that stuff. So this was just kind of the first step. Uh, after being in the UFC of getting that first win and now starting to build off that and uh, climbing up the ranks but yeah it was pretty awesome feeling one of the best I've had in my life for sure
0: yeah I know afterward I could you could hear the cameras were picking up like yeah I won that that's right (laughs) like was there any doubt at all because you know it does go to the judges and you never know sometimes but was there any doubt at all that maybe the judges would have favored that guy especially him being local
1: yeah, I mean, you, you never really know. I mean, I knew that the second and third rounds I won and the third round was super clear. Two judges gave it a 10-8 round, actually, for the third. But, uh, yeah, you never know being in another person's home country um, what's going on. You don't know who the judges are or what they're thinking and stuff. So, yeah, you're always a little bit nervous in the back of your head when you go to judges because we've seen crazy stuff happen. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I knew I won that fight in my heart. So uh, But, yeah, like you said, sometimes – Crazy shit happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. What was the biggest difference between that fight and the Dawadu fight? I know in that fight in Calgary, it doesn't seem like your hands ever really got going. There was yeah. a moment in the second round. But you just looked like a completely different fighter in that fight against Bandana. What was the biggest difference?
1: Yeah, a couple of things. I just uh, I was fighting more freely in this last fight. Um, I have talked about it kind of before. The Dawadu fight, I had so much time to prepare, prepare for the fight. I had like 10 weeks. And I think that was almost too much time to just be thinking about this guy and, and game planning for him, and, and I really over overthought the whole fight, and I was out there thinking too much and not reacting, being a reactive fighter, and uh, that's what cost me in that fight. You know, you, you just got to go on instincts once you're there. You do all the training, the preparation, you uh, do all your game planning and training, and then and then once you get in the fight though, you just go off instincts and hope and hope that the all that training has trained you to do what you're supposed to, but mm-hmm. uh in that fight for whatever reason it's the first time I've ever really been like that in any fight where I was just thinking so much and uh that's the biggest difference from uh my last fight and that fight
0: mm-hmm. for the first time in your you know career you you, you lost a few in a row between the contender series then the debut against Sam Hagan yeah. and Dowadu was this just like a a monkey off the back
1: yeah for sure was i mean it was uh you try to just always keep a positive mindset and that's what i what i do and continue training and then i'm a lifelong martial artist no matter what so i'm always gonna be training and improving and stuff but i mean it is does wear on you and you know everyone's asking you about well, when are you gonna win the fight when are you you know just stuff like that and it can eat at you and get get to you a little bit and uh it's I'd be lying if i said it, it wasn't getting to me. You know, I, I really wanted to get a win mm-hmm. and it's kind of like all I could think about. And so finally, yeah, I get that monkey off my back, uh, get a win and now I can, you know, really open up and, and, uh, start showing everybody what I'm really capable of.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned like 10 weeks. That was kind of a little bit too long. This fight though, you only had what about a six, six, week yeah, six weeks? Yeah.
1: Six weeks. Yeah. So the Bannon a one was four weeks. That was pretty short. It was mm-hmm. just, uh, luckily, I'm always, in, I'm always in a good baseline shape. Uh, I'm, I keep my fitness level always pretty high no matter if I have a fight or not. Um, but there is a difference between being in, in a fight camp and fight shape and being um, in just a regular uh, solid fitness level, which I always keep, which is a lot different than I think a lot of uh, fighters do. I think they do get out of shape, they get heavy, they don't train, but me being, a, like I said, a lifetime martial artist, this is what I do year round it keeps me in a good mm-hmm. fitness level where I'm able to take short notice fights mm-hmm. and get in great shape very fast. So uh, four weeks wasn't a problem, and uh, six weeks is like perfect. That's If I had my choice on uh, my how long my fight camp was every time, and when I got the notice and everything, it'd be probably six weeks. I think that's just perfect for me. Ideal
0: time for yeah. you. Yeah. Talk about your opponent coming up here um, in just a, a couple of weekends from now, Shane Young. Um, what do you see about him that um, you think a like could be challenging for you, or b some of the some of the holes, some of the weaknesses in his game?
1: Yeah, so he's he's a tough fighter. You know, he's he takes a good shot. He comes forward. He's a pressure fighter. He's high volume, throws a lot of strikes. Um, so when he really gets off on people is when he gets their back to the cage. He gets someone's back to the cage, and that's when he kind of unloads with his combinations and, and pressures you, shoots for takedowns against the cage, stuff like that. Uh, so that's a big thing going in this fight i have to have great footwork great angles and and stay off the cage Um, where i'm going to exploit him is is i think the speed uh, advantage that i have Mm -hmm. in this fight i think he's a a slower fighter for the 145 division um, and i think i'm one of the more faster fighters for the 145 division so using my speed and angles is where the difference is going to be and, and keeping my back off the cage.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you see this this fight staying on the feet?
1: Yeah, I mean, I no secret if you watch me fight, I mean, I don't really shoot for takedowns very often. I did get one in the Bandanae A fight, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I can grapple. I feel like I can grapple with all these guys, but I, I prefer to keep the fight standing. I, I like striking. I like... Uh, having exciting fights and so on my part yeah it's going to be just normal um looking to keep it standing uh pick my shots uh, i mean if a takedown's there i'm, I'm not going to not take a takedown but i'm not going into a fight looking for uh, a grappling match sure
0: you fought a um a Canadian in Canada, mm-hmm. Argentinian in Argentina. This guy is from New Zealand. It's yeah. in Australia. Yeah. What I'm sensing the theme here. What's, what's <laughs> I know. going they on? Just,
1: they just like sending me, uh, to enemy territory, which is, you know, I, I don't mind traveling and stuff and just getting to see the, uh, different parts of the world and getting paid for it and whooping someone's ass. So it's fine with me. Uh, hopefully after this one, I go and take this guy out. I can get a, uh, Fight closer to home, maybe something in Vegas or something like that. But if they ever come back to the Northwest, Boise or mm-hmm. Seattle, that'd be awesome too. But uh, yeah, it's not a big deal to me. I don't mind going to someone's uh, backyard and, and uh, giving them an ass whooping. So that's what I plan on doing.
0: Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy the kind of being the? I mean, you're going to obviously be, you know, yeah. the, the person in the fight where the the crowd's going to be yeah. probably rooting against. I mean, do yeah. you enjoy that? Do you like being the villain? If I guess if that's what you yeah, call it. I
1: mean it's i wouldn't say like i enjoy it but it doesn't bother me either it's mm-hmm. just it kind of is what it is and uh yeah so it's, it's not like something i'm like oh yeah i love being this bad guy going in and doing it but it, it doesn't bother me either so mm-hmm. um and once you're in the fight you don't you don't really notice it too much you just kind of you're just kind of flowing in there and, mm-hmm. and you don't really you kind of forget where you, where you're at when you're fighting you know you don't know if you're I'm in Spokane fighting again or Lewiston or I'm in Australia. Once you're in the fight, it's just a fight.
0: Yeah. It's been a, a pretty good run uh, as of late for, you know, your team, uh, Sig Jitsu. And I know you're also um, part of, uh, remind me the team name execution Team Execution in Lewiston, down yeah. in Lewiston. Yeah. But it's been a good run. I mean, Kiesa yeah. uh, got his big win over over Condit. Yep. Sam Sicilia had a big win in Bellator. Even though Tyler McGuire with one had, mm-hmm. it had a loss, it was for a title and he yeah. put on a heck of a fight. Yep. Is Is it, Does it, is it helpful when you, when you're around teammates that are doing well, um, is is it helpful for you?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I think everybody, uh, thrives or you're in a winning environment. Everyone's winning. It just kind of elevates everybody else. Like it's just, uh, it definitely plays a role in the training and the gym atmosphere. Uh, and I think if you come to a practice like you have been, you know, you come to, you see the gym atmosphere right now. It's great. Everyone's high spirits. Everyone's competitive. Um, training hard, and uh, I think everybody feeds off that, and yeah, that, having people winning is always a lot better than <laughs> when we're coming off losses, and, and yeah. it's been nice.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I want to talk a little bit, if you if you don't mind, if you can, just about your, I guess, your future. Is this the last fight on your current UFC contract, or do you have another after that?
1: No, I actually signed a, a new four-fight deal going okay. into this fight, so after my last fight, I um, I got re-upped for, they offered me a, a new four fight contract and I took that. So this would be my first fight on,
0: on a new four fight deal. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So some job security.
1: Yeah. A little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. they can still kind of cut you when they want, you know, so it, it uh, it doesn't mean you're like in, in, but it, it is nice that they, um, re-upped me and, you know, I got a nice pay raise and, and, uh, it does show that they, they do have, uh, confidence in me and, and then, uh, I can perform at a high level.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, being from, you know, where you're from, uh, Lewiston, uh, Clarkston area, does it feel, you feel like a sense of, of pride that, you know, no other person from your area has ever made it to th- yeah. this type of level in this sport?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool. I got tons of, uh, tons of support in, in my hometown. It's pretty crazy. You know, it's a smaller town. So, uh, when someone kind of does something, big and is you know on tv and stuff they they really get behind it and uh like shoot i just did a made up a t-shirt and a hoodie stuff for a uh, golden boy apparel mm-hmm. and and i had just hundreds and hundreds of uh people buying stuff it was crazy mm-hmm. and so yeah there's tons of support and it's it's uh it's pretty fun to watch everybody get excited about about me
0: yeah that is certainly awesome i know we had a chance to chat um before the um UFC, the fight night in Calgary there. And you were talking to me a little bit about, um, the, the karate, the the martial arts Mm -hmm. school that you're a part of. Can you, uh, tell me a little bit more about that for people who may not know?
1: Yeah. So, um, my dad owns a, uh, karate school and that's now it's karate, MMA, um, self-defense kind of do a lot of different stuff, but so he's had that school since 1983 in Lewiston and he's moved up there and opened up the martial arts studio and, uh, He's been teaching there ever since full time. And it's a pretty awesome place. You know, I teach when I'm not getting ready for a fight. Like the last six weeks I've been training for this fight. So I haven't been teaching. But when I'm not uh, getting ready for a fight, I teach four or five days a week down there. uh, Kids classes and everything. Um, It's pretty awesome. We have probably around uh, 150 to 200 members. Mm. And uh, a lot of them are are youth kids. And that's kind of... What i love to teach i love teaching kids and, and passing on martial art knowledge and yeah, i've been doing that since i probably started teaching when i was like 15 for my dad and uh yeah still doing it today and i definitely love it
0: yeah something you think that you'll always do no matter where your career goes with the yeah. ufc
1: yeah so right now i mean full focus is on fighting and and taking this to as far as i can which is hopefully to a, a championship one day but uh after the career starts to settle down, the fighting career, I definitely will be opening up a a martial arts school somewhere of my own and continuing the Pass along martial okay. art knowledge.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And and, and speaking of of your, your your dad, you just mentioned a second a second go, Frank. Um, I know that he's always been in your corner. Um, and I had a chance to talk with him a little bit about you and, and his relationship with you um, just throughout the years, and being able to make it to uh, to the UFC with you. Um, I do want to rewind when when you were able to finally get that victory um, uh, in Argentina what was that like as a father and a son moment being able to share that with him?
1: Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I mean, it was, uh, pretty emotional to, in, for us both after finally getting that win. Um, you know, he's trained me since I was, since I could start walking, you know, and it's taught me everything I know, uh, not just martial arts, but in life. And it's kind of like my, he is my number one role model. I look up to him a lot. And, uh, to finally like show that everything he's done for me and everything he's taught me is paid off and it and it works and it's and it's uh, kind of a feather in his cap that he he knows what he's doing because he you know, he's trained me my whole life. So he, he brought me to this level and and uh has been there every step of the way. So it's pretty cool to be able to share winning that fight with him and, and that moment.
0: And he'll be going with you to Melbourne. Yeah,
1: yeah. It'll be him, uh, Rick Little, and Mike Kiesa. Those three will be in my corner. The solid corner. Yeah, good little squad we got going.
0: And lastly, I just to uh, lighten things up a bit, I know last time I had you on, we talked about golf and yeah. and that. And now we're in the winter. No, no golfing in the winter. Do you have any winter sports, hobbies, things like that that you like to do?
1: No, winter kind of sucks for me. I'm not. I don't. I don't snowboard. I usually go. I might go like one once or twice a year snowboarding just thinking around i suck at it which is probably why i only go once a year i do yeah. it one time i'm like oh yeah that's why i don't do it all the time but uh no i'm not really a winter sport guy i don't snowmobile or do any of that stuff so it kind of sucks i'm just basically in the gym all the time feels like you know cause i don't have any other uh, real activities in the winter so it kind of blows <laughs> yeah.
0: but, i mean that's a i guess that's kind of a good problem that yeah. you're in the gym all the yeah, time yeah it keeps only getting...
1: me in that keeps me in the gym and not out of out uh running amok or something so yeah, yeah summertime is more my my outdoorsy time yeah. so i like to have fun
0: when you say you suck at uh snowboard are you just falling all the time is it one of those things oh yeah. yeah just
1: eating eating shit nonstop, <laughs> man it's brutal i'm sore always after it yeah butt hurts from falling down so much yeah not not good i usually like uh, when i first get going it's really bad and then by the end i can kind of glide slowly down the Mm -hmm. mountain but without falling too much but yeah it's it's not pretty
0: it's gotta be kind of humbling right i mean you are an athlete competing at the highest level of your sport yeah and you would think like oh snowboarding i can do that but
1: yeah it sucks i'm so competitive too like i hate losing so freaking much and (laughs) you know when you fall it's like you're losing (laughs) so it it, that uh pisses me off
0: quite a bit so yeah yeah Yeah. Oh well Well, hey man thanks for stopping by and and joining me i always like to give anyone who's on the show an opportunity to say anything else any shout outs any thank yous any how to watch me if you want this is uh, your time right now if you want to say anything else
1: yeah just thank uh both my team sick jitsu and team execution martial arts america uh for uh you know everything all the training partners coaches rick little and and my my dad frank Mm -hmm. and then uh yeah, that's I guess. and uh, Complete cool. Fitness who handles my uh, strength conditioning program down in Lewiston. The Travis Walker, they always he's a really good trainer down there who's helped me a lot with my strength and conditioning. And uh, yeah, that's about it.
0: All right, awesome. He's the Golden Boy, Austin Arnett, and you can catch him at UFC 234. The uh, main event of the prelims on ESPN. Is yeah, that right?
1: Yeah. ESPN will probably be on about six
0: thirty Pacific time. Okay. Well, I know we'll all be watching rooting for you. Yeah, all right. Thanks Austin. Thanks man. Once again, thank you so much to Austin Arnett for coming on the show. Uh, You know, these men and women spend so much time in the gym training and, you know, their dieting and time, their personal time. So for them to just take a few minutes and join me on the show is is truly an honor. And again, I really mean it when I do say that uh, the interview segment is always my favorite part uh, of the show. And what's just a quick correction um, I know that I mentioned during that interview just a moment ago that Austin. Uh, Would be the headline for that, uh, the main, the prelims uh, on ESPN. Uh, He's actually not not the feature bout on ESPN, but the fight right before that one, his bout against Shane Young. So, just wanted to make that correction. But you can catch the Golden Boy. On ESPN this Saturday. It's the prelims. Uh, and of course, the main card, UFC 234, is for the middleweight title between Robert Whittaker and Kelvin Gaslam taking place in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, a great night of fights. Of course, you have uh, the co main event, Israel Adesanya taking on Anderson Silva, which uh, could be a passing of the torch um, kind of fight. So lots of uh, great fights to look forward to. Uh, that's going to wrap it up uh, for this edition of the MMA Crave. As always, thanks for listening wherever you may be listening from. And we will be back next time.